Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to the Animal Bengals Podcast. I'm your host, Eddie Bakduk. I'm joined as always by John the Brain Sheeran. And, John, we are coming off one of the ugliest losses in the Jake Browning era. Happened to us against. I don't, I don't know if four games constitutes an era, but I mean, you were right though, right? Like, I, I, if I were you, I, I would have been pumping my chest starting yeah. this show because you said that, and I quote, the Steelers will squash the Bengals. The squash. Now, now, now you use some definition of squashed, but I think the first one that you look up in Merriam Webster is, yeah, a 23 point loss at home. Yeah, that would. Depends if you're looking at the verb or the noun, John, but you know, here's the thing. I think that. That look, the Pittsburgh Steelers are in our head. Jake Browning got destroyed the last time. Joe Burrow hasn't looked that great against the Steelers. I it exposed Jake Browning's weaknesses, which is throwing the ball. But he still has a lot of other strengths. He's got the fire in his belly. He's got the attitude. He wants to get it done. He knows how to, you know, set up the screens. He's good at handing the ball off to Chase Brown or Joe Mixon. He has a lot of talents that were working in that three-game winning streak. And I'm hoping, John, that he's going to learn from the Steelers game, not try to do too much, not try to throw the ball away into triple coverage. None of those mistakes. I think, you know, he he could adjust and, and he could be back. Man, it just, I mean, we did this show how many years in the last decade, right? We've been doing this yeah. show for a long time. Most yeah, of the was... show has been with um, Andy Dalton, a quarterback. This sounds a lot like you know, those times. And it's a lot like, I'm sure, what the 49ers are saying right now about Mr. Brock Purdy, right? Four interceptions against another AFC North defense at at their place, right? The 49ers have four losses right. this year. Three of them are against AFC North defenses. It's it's just you have a quarterback that you can win because of or you have a quarterback that you can win with. And I think Jake Browning clearly established that he can be one with but not one because. If you get down in a hole, that's just extremely insurmountable for a regular quarterback it's going to be very tough it's why I said the things that I did say about Jake Browning before this week I recognized that he did show a lot of promise against the Vikings in those certain circumstances but this is what this was the fear right what happens when yeah. Jake Browning tries to do too much what happens when he's trying to throw the ball out of the back of the end zone instead of just yeah. to the acres of sideline that he could have just thrown the ball away and ends up throwing into the quadruple coverage with not a single receiver around him. All three of those interceptions were so costly, man, and coupled with just the defense giving up explosive play after explosive play. Like, this is that was a nightmare scenario for sure. It was, and the worst part was he was facing Mason Rudolph, who is not the guy who's going to win the game. He is very much a Jake Browning or worse, but... They kind of handed the game to him. Like if Jake Browning had not made mistakes, we could have waited for a defense to come up with a few plays. But he just kept digging the hole. It was like once we were down 7-0, he was just freaking out. And, and we fairness, needed him though, to go back like, to, yeah. I mean, like they had the ball first, right? And then it was like I think it was like one or two first downs. They punted it away. Steelers were deep in their own territory. And then DJ Turner and Dax Hill collide in the secondary than George Pickens. After all this vitriol about his effort, about blocking and protecting himself from injury, just breaks open the game with an 80-yard touchdown. He would have like 120 more yards against like Chidibe Wuzi alone in this game. So like the defense put the offense in the hole in the first place, right? And I think the Bengals offense didn't really change much 
when they were down 7 nothing or down 14 nothing or whatever the case may have been, it was just Browning pressing at the exact wrong times. And that that's the fear, right? When, when you have a quarterback that is definitely better off just playing ahead and, you know, when you give the pass rush that amount of boost, right? When it's when you're in obvious passing situations and you have TJ Watt, Alex Highsmith coming off the edge, um, both of the Bengals tackles in this game did not play well. I think, again, it's just the game strip that kind of put them in bad situations. But when you're in that situation where you can negate the pass rush and then you're constantly getting under pressure and you're not a good quarterback against the blitz and under pressure, it just leads to a lot of things. So I, I, I don't know if I can pinpoint blame on like any specific area or person in this game because it was just a complete colossal team failure but it definitely ended right when the defense put the offense in the hole yeah well t higgins looked good he had a career long 80 yard touchdown reception it's good to see and jake was developing good chemistry with him as we saw in the minnesota vikings game where they came back so there is something there there is something there there is some big playability that is there we just need Jake Browning somehow to increase his football IQ by about 40 points before Sunday. But where would that put him at exactly? Would it put him over or put under him at 50? 50? Yeah. 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 No, I don't want to be insult Jake Browning. Look, we love Jake Browning. He's done a lot. John, he was breaking records. And, and whatever, you're right. He's a game manager who sometimes thinks he's a hero. That's kind of the issue. But arm-wise, he should be a game manager. Sometimes... He, he wants to be, you know, a Patrick Mahomes, which he is not. But, you know, we, we have seen those kind of guys have a lot of success. You mentioned Dalton. A lot of people bring up, oh, Dalton, 2015 Dalton. Oh, you know, he was, he was MVP, this and that. Brock Purdy, MVP candidate. So it is possible as long as you know your place, as long as you, as long as you are playing within the system. So part of it, John, is on Zach Taylor, I think, to better set him up for success. On those, but you don't think so. You just mentioned how Jake Bryan was breaking records, and in the same breath, how he's a limited quarterback. What does that mean? Like, how how did those records get broken? No, no, Zach Taylor's done a great job. Those those you know three games, the the play calling, everything was was setting him up for success. I think when we were down, we needed to rein him in a little bit. We need to slow him down a little bit, prevent him from trying to win the game. I don't know, man. I feel like none of those interceptions were the were the cause of bad play calling or telling him to push the ball down the field. Like it okay. was, I mean, the pretty just bad, really bad quarterback yeah. errors. No, I mean it's just like as certain, like you have to go out there and coach to win the game when you're down multiple scores. But at the, at the end of the day, your quarterback is the one with the ball in his hands. So who had the worst game against the Pittsburgh Steelers? Jake Browning or Chidobe Awuzie? Because oh, because George Pickens had the game of his life. With, with a, like we said, Mason Randolph, let's be clear. This guy is a borderline NFL player. And they just decided to give him a start because they really didn't know what else to do. It was like a last-ditch kind of effort. He's not a good quarterback. But Pickens was, was, was absolutely cooking our, our secondary, especially Chidobe. It was just vertical route after vertical route. I'll, I'll give Rudolph this. He has a better arm. He has more power and velocity than Jake Browning and when you have this really physically gifted receiver in George Pickens just toasting like a shell of who Chidabe Wuzier once was it's just pretty easy right it's just it was a yard or two of separation every time that he was stacking him on those nine routes 
and they weren't even close, man. Like, I feel like with Browning, it was just mental errors because he can't be trusted to read a defense beyond two and a half seconds. With Awuzie, it was more just sad than anything because there were times in these past few weeks when we had Cam Taylor Britt out on IR and he was playing more. And it was, you know, it's been beyond a year since he tore his ACL and he looked like he was kind of rounding into, rounding back into his form. But he's just not, he didn't look like the same athlete. Now, obviously, Pickens is an athletic mismatch compared to Wuzia. He was never like a 4-2 type player. And Pickens at that size with that speed, it's a dangerous combo when you give him space. But at, at a certain point, like it was just it was it was tough to see. And it's I know there were some people saying that why didn't they put DJ Turner on Pickens? Because Turner's obviously faster. But Turner's had some issues with ball skills so far because he's he's you know six foot or five eleven and with like thirty inch arms, right? He's he's not able to get his hands on a lot of passes at the catch point. Aside from when he's got perfect timing, like he would have been able to keep up with George Pickens better than Awuzier, but it, it was just a tough matchup. That's why you have Cam Taylor Britt, who's got both four three speed and long arms to, to bat away the long balls. That's why he dominated against DK Metcalf. They really missed him that game for sure. Yeah, he is. He is a very interesting cornerback to watch. So physical, but somehow he always makes up. You know, he he's always there. He's always right there, keeping up with the fastest receivers. John, you told me right before we started the show he's going to be back. He's finally back. Looks and like that, that is huge. That is huge. Having your number, he's now our number one corner. Having him back is huge. Fortunately, we don't have to play the Steelers anymore this season, I don't think. And we don't have to face Mason Rudolph this week. Instead, we get Patrick Mahomes, who had a terrible game against the Las Vegas Raiders. And he threw, John, he threw a pick six. I saw he had, you know, like five turnover worthy throws. And he had a muffed handoff that was returned for a touchdown i think it's called like a fart or something they have all these different you know acronyms they use for these things and he he john he's flustered patrick Mahomes is flustered he is he's he's not he doesn't have the emotional maturity to handle this kind of adversity of having his receivers drop a lot of passes and having teams coming after them when they are shorthanded they are not as stacked as they were in years past. What is your current? Let's forget the past. What is your current evaluation of Patrick Mahomes? He's he's pressing really hard, and yeah. he has the ability to push through that because of how talented he is. But I think I saw a stat like he ran something like eight hundred yards. Like I'm not even making that up. I think he ran eight hundred yards just in scrambles in this game. Every single play was him trying to get out of the pocket and buy time for his receivers who just could not get open. And that's been, it's been the theme of the season so far, right? It's been Rasheed Rice and like 70% of who Travis Kelsey once was. And maybe that's generous considering what he looks like now. It, it's an abysmal receiving core that the Chiefs have. But of course, it's Patrick Mahomes, right? Like he is worthy of all the praise that we've been giving him. At least I've been giving him for the past six or seven years now. But at a certain point, like you do still need receivers to just get open within, I don't know, four or five seconds. So the Chiefs offensive line, I think, is a little bit leaky on the edges. You have both Donovan Smith and Juwan Taylor. Not necessarily the best. I think they're still missing Orlando Brown in that scheme. But they're being made out to look even worse because Mahomes is holding the ball five, six seconds now against the Raiders. Like it was every single play he was running for his life, not necessarily because he couldn't see the field, but because his guys weren't getting open down the field. 
I don't know if this is an issue of the enemy, you know, in, in his schemes and his route concepts and, and how the, the transition from the enemy to maybe more naggy and Andy Reid. Like, obviously, Andy Reid's an offensive genius, but it, it's been interesting the, the combination of a lack of receiving talent and the departure of Eric Bieniemy as their offense coordinator, who still had a major influence in the in the architecture the architecture of that offense, how just abysmal their passing game has been in comparison to how volatile it's been. And of course, we're all accustomed to the Chiefs eventually, you know, finding or getting right at the right time. But I think at this point, like they're just if they're not broken, they're very much on the cusp of it. Yeah. Well, John, you mentioned Eric Bieniemy, and the thing about Bieniemy is he's a former offensive player, as a running back. And we see a lot of times with former players, they know how to connect with the current players. That So what I want to ask you, John, is schematically, has something changed for the Chiefs? Is there less creativity? Or, and I know the talent problem, there's the talent problem, but I'm just talking from a coaching or offensive coordinator position or play calling, you know. Has, has, has anything changed because they don't have the enemy? Or do you think that Mahomes doesn't have a mentor around? I don't even know if he needs a mentor to be honest. Yeah. Like he, she should. He looks a like a baby. He's say. been looking like a baby recently. I will, I will say, like you brought up a good point. The Chiefs don't know how to handle adversity in the slightest, right? Like they lost the Super Bowl because they had no offensive line, and everyone felt sorry for them because Mahomes was like the last week, like running for his life, and he got sacked like twenty times against the Buccaneers. That's been basically their only adversity aside from losing to the Bengals three times. People may forget that, but they've just been they've just been at home in the playoffs every single year. Like they've coasted against a weak AFC West and the AFC West is still relatively weak. But now that they have all these receivers who are attempted replacements for Tyreek Hill, they've been trying so hard to find the fast, you know, quick accelerating, maybe shorter stature receivers to, to compensate for the loss of Tyreek Hill or, or to prepare for the loss or the, the departure of Tyreek Hill and none of them have panned out. Sky Moore, obviously Kadarius Tony, we all know the deal with that. It's been, again, Rasheed Rice, who's a rookie mid-round pick out of SMU. Very impressive player, but if he's your number one receiver, it, it, it's it's tough to emulate what Tyreek Hill could do for that offense, especially now that you know Travis Kelsey has some relationship weight on him and he's, you know, he's pushing 35. So I, I don't know if, if schematically things are that much different. It's just the personnel, I think, is really dragging things down, and it's forcing Mahomes into you know just trying to press things. That's very interesting. You mentioned the relationship way. So you're talking about, of course, Taylor Swift. Do you really mm -hmm. think, John, she is a distraction? Because we have seen her. I don't think yeah. she's. I don't think she's a distraction. I know yeah. she's an Eagles fan, and I know that oh. the Eagles beat the Chiefs already. I see. That yeah. is that is interesting. Okay, so that's interesting because the Eagles lost the Chiefs in the Super Bowl, and then they bring in the big guns. They send Taylor Swift after. The Chiefs. You really think they're that diabolical? The, the Chiefs, the, the 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 Eagles. I didn't say anything. That is brilliant, John. Only Paul John Sheeran. Wait, hold up, hold up, hold up. Paul Paul Painter brings up a good point um, because Mahomes has had issues just with the communication of the headset, or the play's not coming in quick quickly enough, and he's got to make checks and calls to the line. It's it's at least multiple times a game where he has to call timeout or they get a delay of game and he's visibly arguing with either Reed or, or Matt Nagy on the sideline. And honestly, Daddyo, like every single game, a Chiefs player is throwing his helmet. It's just it's it's just completely predictable now. It's a yeah. it's a given every single week. It, this team has no idea how to handle the ups and lows of the NFL. It's crazy. It is crazy. And it's funny because the Cincinnati Bengals are kind of the opposite. Wouldn't you say, John? I mean, yeah, they lost composed. Jake Browning. They lost Browning. Everybody thought they were done. They lost DJ Reader, 
maybe now they are done that they lost DJ either. But the point is, you know, and I know that this team is going to come out aggressive against the Chiefs. They are not going to lay down. They are, I want to ask you, though, because Lou Anderumo has been the key to us winning against the Chiefs in that 2022 playoff run where we got Super Bowl and for us getting so close last year in the AFC Championship game. It was Joseph Osai who kind of cost us the game in the end, but he also was a huge factor in the game. And there's something about Anarumo where he, he gets these players who aren't supposed to be big contributors, he gets them to make big plays when you really need them. What do you think he can pull out of his hat this week? This is going to be tough because I think for as much credit as Anarumo definitely deserves for his plans against the Chiefs, I think the safety play of both Jesse Bates and Von Bell have been very crucial to implementing the, the schemes and the, and the tactics and just the the surprise blitzes or the surprise you know drop eight uh, coverages that he's deployed against Mahomes in years past. Like I think right now you still have a, a promising duo for the future in Dax Hill and Jordan Battle, but it's just been tough because Dax, for as much as as much promise as he's shown, there's still been inconsistencies. Obviously, taking that bad angle against George Pickens on the slant that should have never ever have been a touchdown and when they have Jordan battle back there in free safety you don't have you know the the as much range or deep speed or acceleration as you do with the Dax Hill or a Jesse Bates right so it's trying to figure out how to best utilize those guys because you do still want Dax Hill to come up next to the line of scrimmage and be led that star player that that, that stars the position they played at Michigan you, you know that in, in the slaughter as like a box defender this is this is why they've ultimately had Mike Hilton play like a handful of snaps of free safety recently, just because they want a guy with experience who can make those calls and checks from that deep alignment. Because they tried to have Nick Scott do that, and he was just a complete liability when he was on the field. So I, I think from a defensive line standpoint, obviously not having Reader is is really bad for the run defense, but. I would expect that Miles Murphy gets a lot of chances in this game, just like he's has been in the past few weeks. Like he's just been their Joseph Osai this year. Like Osai is essentially the fifth edge rusher in the rotation, just because of the emergence of Miles Murphy. He's younger. He's more. He's even more explosive. He's bigger. Like Osai was so pivotal in both of those Chiefs games last year. Like he had the crucial sack on Mahomes that forced the long field goal that the Chiefs missed back in the regular season. And before he had the penalty against Mahomes in the AFC Championship, he was their best pass rusher in that game too. So it would be great to see that performance out of Osai, but I think they're counting on Miles Murphy to do that. And again, it's going to be similar calls. It's going to be similar checks. It's going to be similar uh, pressure packages in those timely moments. And because you have a, a weakened a more weakened receiving core from from the Chiefs. It, it might be easier, but again, the safety play for the Bengals is something they have to figure out quickly against both Mahomes and Joe Flacco next week. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned Joe Flacco, you know, and the, and he leading the Cleveland Browns. He's looked like the best quarterback the Cleveland Browns in their second iteration have ever had. And ever. you you remember, John? I have been saying this guy Joe Flacco is underrated. Like I know. I honestly think he gets kind of bored sometimes in the regular season. I think this was a nice I think <laughs> what I've seen out of Joe Flacco in the postseason, John, is rare. I don't know if you remember his stats for that Super Bowl run, 2012. It was godly. It was the only person who had the same stats or similar stats was Joe Montana. Nobody has come close. That touchdown Joe. interception, Joe who? Joe Burrow? Well, just the name Joe. I think it's a oh, good quarterback. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, I think Burrow will eventually have that kind of run. But... Here's the thing, he he had that, and then John, if you look at every other playoff series, he's been awesome. He's been very good in the playoffs. And so I am very much worried about that Cleveland Browns game, just as much as if, if the Kansas City game was at home, I'd be more worried about the Browns game than the Chiefs game. It's just the fact that it's on the road and, and the Chiefs had such a bad game, you know they're gonna come out firing. So John, what is your prediction? 
I really don't know what to think about this game because, again, I keep waiting for the Chiefs to just get it right just because having that quarterback and that head coach combination typically works out more times than not. It's just a complete lack of personnel. And I think the the transition from Biennemi to, to Nagy and what they have now, it's just not as been as smooth as they, as they thought. So the Bengals defense, I think, is going to get a break considering what they went through this past week. But, you know, it's it's, it's more than just a woozy a not looking himself, right? It, the loss of DJ Reader is, is just insurmountable. Both Zach Carter and Josh Tupo cannot be counted on for significant snaps. And it wouldn't surprise me if the Chiefs just lean more on the run game now. Like, I, I don't know. I think Isaiah Pacheco may have suffered a concussion against the Raiders. I don't know if his status. He's probably going to play. Um, but, like, he's a really tough guy to bring down when, he's, when he gets going. And I think the interior of that Chiefs offensive line is still a strength. So that might just be a, an adjustment that they have. Like, they had their worst passing performance against the Raiders. The Bengals' secondary is back to full strength of Cam Taylor Braid. It might be a situation where the Chiefs just pound the rock and just have Mahomes, you know, do Mahomes things when, when he can. So I think the Chiefs offensively are still going to score, like, 20 or so points. The Chiefs' defense, though, we haven't really talked about them. They're definitely their better unit right now. I think Spags is, is having a great season with a pretty cheap defensive unit aside from Chris Jones. So Jake Brown needs a comp he needs a bounce back game in the worst way. Like it's hard to be a lot worse than what he was. I don't really see him scoring like you know in the high twenties in this one. So I think it's gonna be close, but I'll say Chiefs twenty, Bengals nineteen. Okay, that's fair. I like I appreciate that, John. I there's something about Cincinnati Bengals where teams that are struggling, they look at us. They look at us as a, as a tasty snack. They're like, this is going to be my, you know, this is going to be my fix-it game. Let's admit it. Historically, there's something about the franchise where teams look at us to get right. <laughs> and and that is what worries me, is that the Chiefs really need to get right. They have, they have the, you know, the coach and they have the QB. Everything else is like, they can pull it off. Last year, John, they won the Super Bowl without Tyree Kill. I mean, they didn't have amazing receivers. So they can do it. So for those reasons, and for Jake Browning's struggles, and no DJ Reader, and all the mess on the defense, I see the Kansas City Chiefs, John. I think they're going to violate the Cincinnati Bengals. They're going to violate them, and violate. the final score, the final score, will be twenty-four to twenty-one Cincinnati. That is my prediction. Now you see, like. I, I've I've heard the term violate before. I've seen it used in action. I've seen it used for very horrible things. It doesn't really result in three point victories on the road. So you have to explain yeah. this to me. So a violet is a, is a flower that represents humility. And when you give someone their flowers, you are humbly acknowledging that they uh, they are superior. And the Bengals, after so many times with Lou and the Rumo, besting Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid, they are going to give them their flowers and violate them. Violet. You say violet or violet? Violet. Violet. Yeah. Yes, they're going to violet them. Yeah. Violet. Yeah, give them their flowers, John. And it's it will be just enough for us to still be in the playoff race. That is my prediction. You know what? J Joe is right. It's always a three-point game with these teams. So I'm gonna I'm gonna change my prediction. I'm gonna go 23 to 20 Chiefs, which is like I think what, is, what was the score of the last uh, AFC Championship game. But drop a comment. In the comments yeah. section, what three-point outcome do you think this game will be? Because it's destined to always be three points, I think. And the winner will get to go to John's house for New Year's Day. Is that right? Yeah. We yeah. will post Maybe the address. Can take care of my hungover self, yeah. There we go. All right. Well, for 
John Sheehan. I'm Daddy McDuck. Don't forget to subscribe, turn on notifications, check out John's articles at a2zsports.com slash Cincinnati. And we'll see you next time. So long as 50 pies. John. Happy New Year. There we go. Yeah, Happy New Year. Happy New Year to all you guys. Another great year here at DNH Sports. Number one Bengals podcast. See you guys in 2024. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube you know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks that's what our podcast people are the worst brings you with each episode i'm rachel And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.